Talking Lead Heads, welcome back to the Talking Lead. I'm your host, Left Hand, and this is episode, dude, I think it's 130. Yes, it is episode 130. Uh, last week was 129. We had Apex Tactical, Randy Lee with uh, Apex Tactical. He was president, and that was a really good show, very informative. We got a high-level egghead uh, kind of education on triggers and the benefits of flat trigger versus a, a curved trigger. So I hope you guys found that show very informative and educational and make sure that you take part in the trivia question. Uh, listen to the show episode 129, find out what that question is. It's got something to do with something on their website. So you're going to have to go there, find the answer, and then you post it on their Facebook page, like their Facebook page, like the post and say leadhead was here. And you're going to get that cool Apex Tactical uh, swag bag. But we've got a really good show this week. I'm very excited to have in Doc Pete from Rockwell Tactical. Welcome in, Doc. How's it going, left hand? It's going good, buddy. Long time no see. Yeah, it's been a while. It has. It's been a minute. And you guys may recall uh, Doc from our Circle the Wagons adventures about a year ago. It might have been a little over a year ago. September. Uh, out in out in Colorado, Zeke and I went out there, and we had just a one hell of a time. It was a great time. We got to hang out with these guys at Rockwell Tactical, and um, Doc was putting on some uh, safety medical uh, seminars. And I thought that this would be a good time to talk about the importance of if you're going to be a responsible gun carrier then you also need to be, as part of that, you need to have some sort of medical training. Uh, because if you're planning on getting into some sort of a gunfight, either you or the person you're shooting at is going to get injured, and you're going to need to know how to perform some sort of medical procedures. And not only that, just in, in life in general, if you're uh, you know, just out in public and somebody's in a mall and they have a heart attack or choking on food or you go across, uh, you pass by a, a traffic accident. I mean, it's just general knowledge stuff that uh, you, you need to know and the kit that you need to carry with you. And uh, Doc's going to talk us through uh, a lot of the basic stuff. We're not going to get real high level, but we might. You never know on this show. We tend to, we tend to ramble. So. <laughs> <laughs> so what have you been up to since Colorado, brother? Since Colorado, just been doing my day job, teaching here at the schoolhouse and Trying to impart a little bit of the wisdom that I've gained over the past couple of years. Yeah. Working. Yeah. Same thing yeah. that you're saying, teaching people how to put band-aids on. <laughs> <laughs> how to wrap a boo-boo up, right? <laughs> exactly. Yep. Very cool. Uh, let's see. What did I do since last week's show? Uh, closer to Christmas, obviously. Uh, it's a very hectic time of, of year for everybody. And, uh, you know, I've just been trying to to get some Christmas shopping done, man. Take care of the loved ones and the family and just make it a, a safe and, and happy holiday as I can. I've got some more of those videos that you guys uh, heard me talk about from our new range, the pit that Casey and I have been shooting from. We actually got some more stuff in. We've got some steel targets in the other day that we're going to be trying out. I've probably got at least four more videos from our first shoot, uh, some different ammo that we were testing out and uh, another rifle. So stay tuned. Keep watching our YouTube channel. You guys are going to see those videos come out real soon. Shot shows coming up. Been getting ready for that, making travel arrangements. 
scheduling appointments. Uh, got a lot of cool interviews going to be set up at shot. So that's going to be a really good show. Uh, videos. I'm actually going to be able to get more videos done this year than I did last year also. So that's going to be exciting. Range day at shot show. Are you guys going to, to shot show? I think so. I, I believe Jerry's going to be making a presence out there. Yeah. Okay. You going to be going with him? Probably not. I got, okay. I got a little, little, little too much commitment going on right yeah, now during yeah. that time, but I'll be there in spirit. So tell us a little bit about Rockwell Tactical. I know that you were on one of our shows uh, a while back. We kind of did a little wrap-up show during the Circle of the Wags. I think that was actually, wasn't that one of our video shows that we did? Yeah, we, it sure was. Yeah, that wasn't, yeah, that wasn't actually our podcast. So this is, this is Doc's first time on the, the podcast itself, but he's been on, we did a show, it was called Select Fire uh, a while back. Um, didn't really take off, but <laughs> anyway, it's just too much, man. I mean, back then, uh, Zeke is no longer with the show, in case you didn't know. Um, I think I've seen him, he's, he's with SDI right now, right? There you go, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So SDI, one of our sponsors, uh, he got a full-time position with them, and I mean, I couldn't be more happy for him. I thought that was awesome that yeah. uh, that he got that. Um, but I've taken the show over 100% myself now, so uh, we were slammed back then when I had two people, and now it's just me. So I mean, it's just there's just no way in hell I can uh, can take yeah. all that that extra stuff right now between the videos and the podcast, and then my real job. <laughs> right? How do you do it? <laughs> I love it, man. That's that's the only way I could do it. If if I didn't love what I do, I couldn't do any of this stuff. But that's uh, good. Yeah. Thanks to our our listeners and and our awesome sponsors. You know, they make it possible. Tell us a little bit about Rockwell Tactical. Who you guys are and what you do. So Rockwell Tactical was incorporated officially back in 2010. The owner, CEO, head trainer, feller named Jared Ross. You can follow him on Facebook and social media, I believe. He, he, he was a, a well, National National Guard, but he's a Special Forces Weapons Sergeant, 18 Bravo. And he also is qualified as a, as a Special Operations Combat Medic when he started his career with, with Special Forces. So he's a, and then prior to that, he was in the infantry in the 82nd. Uh-huh. And his company started out when he was still an active duty Green Beret stationed there at Fort Campbell. He lives in Pennsylvania. It's kind of where his home base is. And a buddy of his asked him if he'd come and show him some of the stuff that he knows at a range. So he's like, absolutely. Thinking it's just going to be him and his buddy. Turned out to be his buddy and a few other guys that his <laughs> buddy called. So he's they, like, oh, they kind by of started... the way, I invited some people. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's kind of how it, how it kicked off. And then he, he got out of active duty went to National Guard, started started doing this for a living. And now he, he hosts several different types of seminars, training events. It's all principle-based training. And I guess what's unique about it is that he, he brings a lot of the real-world experience that he has onto this here and kind of mimics the same way that we're trained here in the, in the SF community and applies it to the civilian populace, those that are wishing to better themselves become more responsible gun carrying mm-hmm. individuals. And with that, we, we push the medical training as right. heavy as, as, as we can. People are starting to recognize the importance of not just being good behind a trigger, but how to put band-aids on. Right. You know? Exactly. So. Yeah. And that's something that we, you know, we preach on this show 
day in, day out, is that to be a responsible gun owner, not only a gun owner, but a gun carrier, if you're, if you're going to take on that responsibility of being the sheepdog, then you need to take on everything that encompasses that. And that's getting the additional training. Just because you got your permit, that don't mean jack. You've got to go and you've got to take these defensive uh, handgun rifle courses, you know, whatever they may be. And the medical training is part of that. Exactly. And, and that's what we that's what we got Doc here to talk with us today about. And I again, I appreciate you taking the time. I know you're you're a busy man, you're a family man, uh, taking the time out and joining us today. Not a problem. I enjoy giving giving to the community. Anybody that'll listen to me run my run my mouth about <laughs> stuff that I'm passionate about. I'll run that pie hole. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's uh, find out a little bit more about you. But first, let's do our jack wagon. So, Gunny, introduce us to the uh, jack wagon train this week. Hey, Ralph, Semper Fi, do or die, hold them high at 8th and I. It is time for the talking lead jack wagon of the week. So, brace yourself, baby. All right. So, this week, uh, I think we, we've both got jack wagons. Um, do you want to you give your jack wagon first, and then I'll go into mine? Sounds good. Uh, okay. So, I just heard this on the radio the other day. And if you just Google... FBI director buying guns on the internet, something to that effect, put all uh-huh. those words in it together. You'll come up with our illustrious uh, FBI director, James B. Comey Jr., about how he is not up to speed on how buying a gun on the internet works. So, <laughs> Really? Uh, yeah. The director of the FBI. Yeah. The, the guy that kind of should know anything and everything about domestic whatever <laughs> and Guns are a big deal. Is this James B. Comey Jr.? Is he the director? Correct. Yes, sir. In a Senate Judiciary Committee oversight hearing held yesterday, I guess it was Senator Lindsey Graham, it looks like, began his question and answer period with, if I buy a gun on the internet, is is it delivered to my home? And then he kind of didn't really know what to say is a little, little, little surprised kinda, by it. Kind of got that things that make you go, hmm, look on his face, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then you remember and that then, show? What was that show? Things that make you go, hmm, hmm. Yeah. Studio Hall. That's who it was. That's what, <laughs> well, that's what it was. Yeah. One of them moments. So uh, Senator Graham clarified and says, if I try to buy a gun on the internet, where do I pick it up? And again, just kind of not knowing what to say, says, I assume it's shipped to you, but I don't know for sure, actually. So, <laughs> pretty bad. I'd, I'd, I'd say that that, that, that warrants a, a toss in the jack wagon. Oh, my God. And he's still the director of the FBI? Yeah. <laughs> we get oh winners. My gosh. I guess I guess he's got more important things to think about, I guess. you know. Yeah. Really. I mean, I mean if you think about it, uh, I, I hope he's concentrating more on our uh, domestic terrorism that's going on. But he's also tracking a lot of these gun sales or, you know, any, anytime a gun incident comes up, it's always a hot topic between politicians in Washington about mm-hmm. taking the guns away and what we can do to, to do better background checks. So you would assume that he would kind of be in the know as to internet being a popular device these days. People buy a lot of things on the internet. I'm going to buy a gun on the internet. You know what my answer would have been to that if I was him and What's I didn't that? know the answer? What's I would that? say, I got, I got people that handle that. <laughs> yeah. Let, let me get with them. I'll let you talk with them. And it's and, it, and it's true. You're absolutely right. I mean, I'm sure he's got a whole lot of other things, but. Yeah, that's pretty of, sad, though. I mean, even <laughs> your freaking just idiot out there uh, that doesn't know anything about 
anything knows that you, know, you just much. can't buy a gun over the internet. Pretty much. <laughs> you just didn't get shipped right to your door. Or exactly. it's not supposed to anyway. There you go. <laughs> does it happen? Not Maybe. Anyway. but <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure it does. Sure it does somehow, <laughs> some way. But uh, yeah, welcome to the Jack Wagon uh, train. James B. Comey Jr., director of the FBI. Heck yeah. All right, so my Jack Wagon this week, uh, for all you guys out there in New York, uh, especially in Nassau County, I'm throwing the Nassau County, New York, I guess, police district. Uh, maybe maybe the acting district attorney also. I don't know. But he- here's the, the incident that's occurred. And you guys probably heard of this already. I mean, it's not brand new. Um, but uh, it's fairly new in the last few days here. All right, so this information is coming from NRA ILA, the Institute for Legislative Action, and uh, it doesn't say who wrote this article, so I can't give that person credit, but uh, I'm going to read this article. It says, we've raised concerns before about how proposed gun violence restraining orders and similar firearm surrender orders can be absurd and issued in cases where the police lack sufficient evidence for an arrest and simply wish to deprive an individual of the right to bear arms and on how difficult it can be to get your property back after the government seizes it. These concerns are magnified when such seizure procedures originate not from judicially authorized orders, but from the considerably more opaque process within law enforcement. All right, so it goes on to say, it's perhaps no surprise that one such confiscation policy surfaces in Nassau County, New York, as we reported on September and October. This is the same jurisdiction where the acting district attorney implemented and then rescinded a personal policy that banned Nassau County prosecutors from having handguns, even at their own personal residences, even at their homes. Evidently, Nassau County takes every opportunity to chill the freedoms of its citizens. Uh, the confiscation policy, Nassau County Police Department, that's the NCPD, uh, Department Procedure OPS 10023, Removal and Disposition of Weapons, Domestic Incidents, Threats to Public Safety, authorizes the confiscation of lawful firearms during the domestic incidents, but goes further. It empowers law enforcement officers to confiscate legally possessed guns when these can be viewed as creating a threat of violence, in quotes, or any threat to public safety, in quotes, at all. Once confiscated, the firearm cannot be returned to its owner, where the reviewing, uh, let's see, where the reviewing police officer finds the owner has a relevant Nassau County arrest history, in quotes, and then whatever that may be. So apparently they don't define what has a relevant Nassau County arrest history means, or where other extenuating circumstances, also in quotes, exist, which indicate the gun should not be returned, whatever these may be. Though they don't go into specific details on those either, so they leave it broad and open to, I guess, their each individual officer's interpretation. As a recent court case serves an illustration of the policy in action. So the plaintiff, Andrew Carroll, shared a home with his mother, She had a basement apartment, and he lived upstairs. In September 2014, while he was at work, she removed his AR-15 rifle from his apartment as collateral for $50 that she claimed he owed her. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Gee, Ma, thanks. Uh, After Carol called the police, uh, NCPD officers not only confiscated the rifle from the mother's apartment, 
but also seized two other long guns in a magazine belonging to Carol and found in the house. Uh, first off, why are you calling the police? Just give your mom 50 bucks and get your AR-15 back. Jeez. Officers taking his gun advised these would be returned by the end of the night if no criminal charges were filed. The guns were not returned, and another officer later confirmed that the NCPD had decided to keep the guns. A NCPD receipt warned that confiscated firearms were liable to be destroyed one year from the date of seizure. Significantly, Carol was the complainant who called the police and appears to have been fully cooperative. At no time was the subject uh, was he subject to an order of protection or in any way or any other way disqualified from possessing or owning a firearm. No criminal charges against his mother or Carol were filed. There's no indications that the incident involved the infliction or alleged infliction of physical injury or the use or threatened use of a deadly weapon by Carol or anyone else. So after weeks passed, the confiscated guns being returned after even after an in-person request, Carol he resorted to a federal lawsuit against the police in Nassau County, initiated six months after his guns were taken away. His lawsuit alleged violations of the Second Amendment and other constitutional rights and sought an injunction to prevent the NCPD from further retaining or destroying his guns and from continuing to enforce its firearms confiscation policy in cases that lack criminal, domestic violence, or order of protection elements, which is understandable. I mean, they made their point. First off, you shouldn't be calling the police between you and your mama's little domestic squabble over 50 bucks. Uh, So, I mean, I can, in a way, they kind of deserve this, but then... So much is so much. He learned his lesson, give him his guns back. So he filed a federal lawsuit, still not getting them back. So the Nassau County responded to this lawsuit initially by claiming that Carroll had failed to comply with additional documentation requirements, being a letter detailing the incident that led to the confiscation of his guns and why his guns should be returned to him, the signature of his mother and anyone else residing with Carroll, and his plan to fully secure the guns. So it sounded like they wanted him to write a uh, a short essay, kind of like punishment as to why yeah. you should get your guns back. <laughs> he didn't want to do his homework, so they didn't give him his guns back. Um, but interestingly, as the court points out, no provision of the confiscation policy required Carol to supply this undocumented documentation as a precondition to the NCPD returning his property. And there was no proof that the information had even been previously requested or when it was requested. The court, however, declined to grant the preliminary injunction relief Carroll sought at this stage. The district judge concluded that any injury suffered by Carroll would be compensatable by money damages once the law was heard on the merits. As for preventing future enforcement violations arising from the policy, the judge concluded there was insufficient evidence to show that such violations were likely to occur. On the record before it, the court is unable to conclude that the department's confiscation policy is being regularly applied in in an unconstitutional manner so as to require immediate cessation. Pending further action in this lawsuit, the court declined to order the NCPD to to return Carroll's confiscated firearms or to take steps to prevent their destruction. Uh, The case is Carroll versus Crumpter, uh, which can be found here at this link. If you go to the NRA ILA's website, you could read more about that. I mean, I don't know who, I think I'm throwing, I'm I'm throwing this guy on the jack wagon train. Also this uh, Andrew Carroll dude for, for calling the police on his mom. (laughs) Yeah. How old is this kid? Uh, he lives in the basement of his mom's apartment or something. 
probably mid thirties then. <laughs> Forty. I don't know how old he is. It doesn't say how old he is. Okay, that's crazy. But he apparently owed his ma fifty bucks. He probably borrowed fifty bucks for beer, <laughs> and uh, he wasn't paying it back. So she took his gun. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, look, Sonny, you give me my fifty bucks, I'll give you your, you know, your toys back. <laughs> and write an essay, and you'll get it back. Right. So, I mean, I could kind of see where they, in the beginning, the police department would be like, look, dude, you know, you're going to call us out on a little squabbly things like this when we've got life and death matters yeah. to deal with. You know, we're going to teach you a lesson. Well, I think he probably learned his lesson. They probably took it a little too far. Uh, they need to give him his guns back. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and throw the Nassau County Police Department, the acting district attorney, and I'm going to throw Andrew Carroll. I'm not going to throw his mom on there. I think his mom was in the right. I think she had a right to take his AR. <laughs> fee, yeah. fee owed her rent or something. Exactly, since oh. he doesn't pay rent or anything. <laughs> right. He sits down in the basement eating Cheetos and playing, playing. Call of Duty. <laughs> yeah. He's probably not even cool enough to play Call of Duty. He probably plays like uh, Mario Kart. Uh, some Yeah, Mario Kart. Yeah. The Legend of Zelda or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, you got kids, so you probably know more about those games than I do. I do. They're all into Halo and all those. They, they, they love Call of Duty, and there's some violent little guys. I have to put things in context for them just to make sure. <laughs> keep, yeah, keep them in the right. just let them know it's not real. Yeah. Have you played... Uh, I don't know if you play any of those video games or not. Battlefield? No, you know, you sure I haven't. No, I I've probably seen it around. Honestly, my first, my my one of my favorite first person shooter games is still the Rainbow Six Vegas Two. Oh yeah, I've That's got that still. Time. That's just a good time. I heard the new Rainbow was out. Oh really? Yeah. I've been I've been consumed by Assassin's Creed. Anytime I could squeeze it in. Oh I'm, yeah, I love that too. People. <laughs> That's a cool one too. I love those. Huge interactive map, kind of. Yeah, thing. it's pretty, pretty good. You can just get lost in those. Like, uh, what's the other one? The Fallout's. You ever done those? No, no, I haven't done those. Yeah, dude, you would love Fallout. I'll have to it's check pretty, it out. Sweet. Yeah, you check it out. So let's find out more about Doc, and we're going to subject him to our new guy questions. And the first question, Doc, is how did you originally, or what is your f- earliest recollection? of getting involved with firearms? Hmm. Well, I guess when I was a kid, maybe my dad and his twenty two long rifle. And then I always saw the three fifty seven Magnum that he had. You know, uh-huh. he had it locked always up lo- locked up in a drawer, but I was always fast. Every time he opened that drawer, I was right there to check it out. And I actually have it now. It was uh he he, he gave it to me a few years back. Oh, cool. So it's it was a, his old service pistol from nineteen sixty eight, the Ruger Security Six can't go wrong with revolvers they'll they'll work like a charm from from now until forever so <laughs> that's right that's right yeah so you ought to uh you ought to send it to uh, apex and let them work on the trigger for you he Sounds specializes good. in revolvers as a matter of fact really all right yeah yeah i'll have to i'll have to look that up for sure yeah uh just the earliest recollection was was my dad and his gun didn't he didn't have a whole lot of guns like i said just a 22 long rifle how old were you before he let you go out and shoot with him i was probably eight or nine maybe yeah around eight or nine and then 11 12 out with my uncles and that was back when the sks was the thing you know little oh yeah little fixed rotating bayonet good time (laughs) you know so yeah 
Uh, and then just kind of got my own 22 when I was uh, probably 14, 15, and then went downhill from there. <laughs> it was all over after that, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you a big hunter? Do you hunt much or did you? Honestly, the army's kind of taken away all my other, all my hobbies. I never yeah. really was big into hunting. My dad never was, so I never really had that as a, as a thing growing up. Just more into target shooting? Yeah, target shooting. And then obviously what, what I've been doing now, just anything and yeah. everything that, that goes with getting better behind the trigger. A lot of dry firing drives my wife crazy. How often I dry fire, she has to ask me to look. Oh my gosh, dude. I'm constantly yeah. just, just just getting that trigger fire. feel. That's right. Yeah. Well, I just put a um I just put one of those new Apex triggers in my Glock, one of the flat triggers. Okay. And I've not had an opportunity to take it out yet, put many rounds. I've only done a couple of magazines uh with it. So mm-hmm. I've been dry firing pretty much. I mean, I'm just I just sit around, I watch T V and I'm you know, I'm dry firing. Yeah. Uh, I don't have any kids or anything like that. So still, I mean, I probably would if I did. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I would teach them proper safety and handling and it's techniques and whatnot. But um, yeah, and I do that with my kids I, uh, with their Nerf guns, finger outside the trigger when you're carrying it and when you're walking around with it. Don't aim at anybody. Exactly. Exactly. Muzzle awareness, all that good stuff. So Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. What would you say was, uh, can you, well, yeah, let me see. So you said you got the 22. What, is that the first one that you could call yeah. your own? Yeah. That you would, okay. Yeah. What about your first handgun? Do you remember it? <laughs> it was a, a high point. <laughs> I had no idea. I was 18. That's going to circle us back to our sixth question. <laughs> but go ahead. <laughs> I, was, I was 18, and let's see, what did I what did I have? Or maybe it was just this. It, he was like a next door neighbor in this little townhouse apartment that I lived in. He's kind of a creepy old guy that he sold me <laughs> he sold me this high point pistol, which I thought was I was like, hey, wow, it's a real yeah, gun. A gun. You know what I mean? yeah. yeah. And then uh, it was a single shot slug barrel. 12 gauge shotgun. So it's like a heavy cannon. Oh my gosh. And yeah, so I had that for a little bit and then I can't remember what I did. I probably sold it before I enlisted or something. Or just used it as an anchor or something. <laughs> yeah, a little paperweight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Hammer. So, it's in your toolbox. Go check your toolbox. I bet mean, it's in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So good old high point. So that, that, was, that was my first oh, handgun. Yeah. And then probably hey, it's better than not having having a gun at all you know yeah absolutely but then i guess the, the 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 one that i bought after becoming more familiar with what's going on with pistols and firearms i can't remember if i got my beretta the 92 fox beretta which i still have or it was a xd9 back when they were you know, one of the first xd9s mm-hmm. so the, the full size xd9 yeah, yep yeah. so i like springfields I love same here. I love them. Yeah, so. I've had I've probably had four. I'm a Glock guy now, though. I mean, I just mm-hmm. when I when I first got into guns, it was just like I had to have every one of them. Yeah, 1911, Springfield, Glocks, Sigs. Sure. Uh, didn't really go down the HK path. They're just too expensive. <laughs> so. Me neither. Uh, I've really just stayed with what's compatible or what I'm used to. You know, I, 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 my first service weapon was the Beretta. So I've got a Beretta. And then for the longest time I was rocking a Glock 19 and that's what I just pulled out and showed off to you here a little bit. It was my, 
yeah. block 19 and I'm, I'm good at both of them. You know, I've gotten used to, but I probably still shoot better with the nine, with the, with the Beretta. That's probably my one I'm most yeah. proficient. You probably at. got more trigger time on it, don't you? I sure do. Yeah. So some stuff just doesn't go that away. It kind of goes, uh, it makes sense why you be better at it. Yeah. But I kind of, what I was getting at is I kind of consolidated down and now I'm just, I'm Glocks and I've got, I, I kept my SIG um, oh. P226. Gotcha. I, I love it. It's it's just one of the best shooting guns I've ever, I've ever shot. Oh, or, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a comfortable, that. comfortable, comfortable little pistol. It is. So that gets us to our next question is, uh, and I th- we know the answer to this, your law enforcement military uh, background. Obviously, you've got military uh, experience and background. Um, any of that you want to want to talk about, can talk about? Yeah, I guess a, a little bit of both law enforcement. I, I was a military police when I first came in. Okay. MP. Only did that kind of long enough to make rank to go somewhere else didn't really yeah. care for it as much as i thought i would uh-huh. uh and then kind of came over here to the um, special forces assessment selection and got selected went through the q course a couple of years and then i uh, became a medical sergeant and that's what i've been doing for the past coming up on eight years eight years right on yeah right on just doing the medic stuff Shooting people in the face and putting band-aids on. <laughs> Shoot them in the face and patch them up. That's it. <laughs> when it comes to pop culture, um, mm-hmm. whether it be a movie, TV show, a magazine, book, music, what's your go-to that's gun-related, firearms-related? Mm. Like what's what's a what's a movie that I that I like to to watch? Yeah, let's let's start off with a movie. Yeah, I was just like, what's a movie that you could just watch over and over and over and over and over again? Oh man, I was just thinking about Pulp Fiction the other day. Just what yeah. a classic that is. You know, yeah. I love that movie. Can't can't get enough of it. Uh, man, there's so many so many good guns. I mean, Man on Fire. There we go. Little Denzel Washington. Have I seen that? What's that about? Remember? All right, so he's that. I, it, it doesn't really go into detail on what his background is, but he's kind of a, uh, a drinking man down in Mexico, and he gets assigned, gets hired on to be a bodyguard for a little girl who's a daughter of uh, just this rich family living down in Mexico. And she gets rolled up, gets kidnapped, and he gets shot up in the process, and then he recovers, and then goes on just this hunting spree to find her. And okay. Pretty pretty awesome. Pretty pretty good times. I, I vaguely remember that. I'll need to watch that one again though. But I, I think it's I a classic. <laughs> uh, yeah. see. I, I like No Country for Old Men just because the bad guy uh-huh. kind of slays everybody and it's different. <laughs> I've got to watch that movie too. I've not seen that movie yet either. Oh, there you go. Give you a couple of things to put on your queue. Absolutely. <laughs> That's why I ask this question. Is gets new movies for me to watch. Yeah. <laughs> No, my, my my other preferred form of entertainment is probably reading. I'm a big mm-hmm. big big guy to read, and it's maybe not so much gun related as as it is just the whole warrior mentality. So I, I'm a big Stephen Pressfield fan okay. who wrote Gate, Gates of Fire, The Afghan Campaign, Last of the Amazons, Virtues of War, things things like that. The Profession. So very cool. I I, I enjoy reading. Yeah, I bet you get a lot of a lot of downtime to read. Well, not necessarily downtime, but travel time to read. Yep, sure yeah. do. Got to pass the time somehow. My, my best, the best present that I got was a few Christmases ago from my wife. It was a Kindle, you know. Oh, so sweet. instead of carrying lugging books with me everywhere, I've got this one you got little that. ebook, and <laughs> it's 
So yeah, those things are awesome. Yeah, very cool. What about um, music? What kind of music do you listen to 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 get you prepared and and ready for the? Have the you mission? heard of Amana Marth or Storm Warrior? I have not. Let me write those down. Spell the first one. A M O N, and then space A M A R T H, and then Storm Warrior. Storm Warrior is probably one of my favorite lately. What kind of music? What genre is that? It's like viking speed metal <laughs> sweet okay Kind of like a five finger death punch or something. Yeah, yeah, yep. Kind of the same genre. I can I can never go wrong with Iron Maiden, ACDC to get me pumped up to go do something, lift weights. That those are like kind of my go to tunes. Yeah, for, you need for, to for check out um, Despite. Despite. D-S- yeah, D E S P I T E. All right. Uh, they actually do our uh, intro song to our to the show. I was wondering who that was, so now yeah. I know. It's Despite, but- and it's. Um, I think it's Rain. I think it's the name of that song, R-A-I-N. Yeah, so despite... Uh, check them out. Check them out. I think you'll like them, too. Okay. We'll go ahead and ask you this one. Uh, has there ever been a firearm that maybe just a little bit of you is ashamed to admit to owning? <laughs> uh, knowing what I know now, I guess my, the high point. The high point, yeah. That's why I was, yeah. That's why I was saying. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. Yeah. Your questions. What about is there a gun that you once owned that you no longer own that you wish you had back? No, but I almost did sucker a buddy of mine into selling me. I don't know how he got it, but it was uh, one of the five seven caliber handguns. Yeah, he almost, he almost sold it to me. I, I made him an offer, which I knew I was lowballing him, but he didn't know of <laughs> seven hundred and fifty bucks. I think. Oh yeah, it was like. Yeah, absolutely sold. And then I and then he Googled it or whatever. Oh, man. <laughs> we had a chance to complete it. So that's the one that I regret almost owning. Yeah, you, you <laughs> wish you almost been. had that one. Yeah, absolutely. You know, what I, about – no, go ahead. I was going to say, ever since uh, handling the, 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 the five seven, both the pistol and the, 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 the PS90, just good times, good smooth trigger, and I like the ballistics on the round, and – just so expensive. (laughs) They are. Yeah, they are. I've got a buddy who's got one of those and uh, he's let me take it to the range a a few times. Nice. They're just, uh, it's, 
It's like it's really smooth. There's yeah. re- very little recoil. Yeah. You know, yep. it's, it's almost like a twenty-two. Almost. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's nice. And you a fifty-round mag round. capacity. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then you've got multiple mags. You can just keep, <laughs> keep exactly. feeding. It. Yep. So, what about your uh, next want to have? Got to have. Price be damned. Laws be damned. <laughs> I've been I've been looking into the the 1911 nine millimeter. I I, uh, I I like 1911s. I just don't like how much 45 ammunition costs. Mm-hmm. And I like I like staying compatible with what I have. So I really I only own I, the one odd out weapon that I own is uh, that 357. But other than that, I've got several nine mil mm-hmm. as far as pistols goes, and then my AR, a couple of shotguns, the 12 gauge, and then a 308. So. Uh, Probably along along the lines of pistol would be one of the Springfield or the 1911. Doesn't have to be Springfield, but a, a 1911 nine mil, uh-huh. and then uh, probably one of the probably a good M1 Garand. Yeah, yeah. Rifle. I'd like to add one of those to my collection. Yeah, so I like really the it, I like the Springfield type um, 30 out six rifles. I like yeah. those. Yeah, those are kind of cool. Yeah, but the uh, 1911. Who makes a nine? Um, does Sig make a nine? Yep. They make a nine in the 1911 style. They do. Yep. They're, they're, I owned yeah. a couple of of those 45s. Okay. And they yeah. were real good shooting. The Sig Nightmare. Okay. Um, who else have I had? I've had a Remington 1911, the R1. Nice. I don't know if they make those in nine millimeters or not, but if I've seen some, there was one I got ATI. Uh huh. I think they might make one. It's kind of a good looking, but inexpensive. They're not too expensive, kind of 1911 styles. Okay. So I just Googled, again, 1911, nine millimeter, and they have the, the, the top hit on Google is the, uh, yeah, top nine, 1911, nine millimeter, 1911 guns. So I might have lied to you. I don't know if SIG does make one. Oh, I don't know. They, they have, I would be surprised if they didn't. Yeah. The one my buddy owns that he really likes was one of those para ordnance ones. Uh-huh. Whereas it's it's a it's a great gun. I haven't had a chance to go out and shoot it yet, but would like to. I always wanted one of those para warthogs, just because I like the name warthog. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just those are like the compact 1911s. Okay, I've probably seen them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So a lot of good stuff out there. I'd, yeah, but I got I'm, rid of all my 1911s though. Did you? Yeah, I got real because, like I said, I was kind of just consolidating down. Yeah, I got, I got in this mindset of of like you said, keeping everything the same. I wanted to keep everything yeah. uniform. Yep, and I didn't want to have a bunch of shit that I didn't really need, or you know, because I just found that they were just sitting in the closet most of the time. So yeah, exactly. I sold them. Same thing with my gear. <laughs> you know, I've got umpteen thousand bags and packs, yeah. and yeah. you know. You name it. And um, James Yeager, I was talking to James Yeager one day, and he's like, he's like, why? Why do you have just consolidate right. it down to the necessity, you know, the stuff that you really need and are going to use and just and, and make it the best, make those yep. the best. And ever since I had that conversation with him, it just that spilled over not only to my my bags and my uh, my gear, but to my yeah. guns as well. Hey, right on. But I still buy, you know, a few guns here and there that I just want to have. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I got into building, though, Hans. I started building, uh, okay. you know, essence, 
Zeke being with SDI, we right. uh, had taken some some of those courses. Yeah. And uh, I started building my own ARs. And after my first one, man, I was it was over. I'll never buy another manufacturer's uh, AR again, man. I just built awesome. my own. That's awesome. I'm on my I'm on my like my seventh one now. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. I'll send you all the parts that I have and see what you can put together. Do for. it, man. I've probably got <laughs> enough here just laying around. <laughs> Good deal. It's like yeah. anytime I see, especially this time of year, Black Friday, there's all kinds of deals that oh, are going yeah. on. This is when I really wait to buy all my stuff because you can buy stuff so cheap now. Yeah, absolutely. So this is like when I buy and stock up and then, you know, hopefully it comes together throughout the year. Yeah. Hopefully I bought everything that I need throughout the year to, to yeah. build whatever my next one is. Next one I'm going to build is going to be a 308. I haven't built a 308 yet. Okay. I got 300 blackout. I built a 300 blackout. Nice. I've built, uh, I've built two AR pistols so far. Okay. Uh, and then the rest were the five, five, six, two, two, three different variations of those sure. type stuff. So, well, good deal. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. Keep it up, man. I I, I ought to get into that myself. SDI oh, still hitting yeah. Me up. Are you are they still interested? You still interested in that, man? Uh, I I would. I just I'm 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 right now. I'm using the the, the tuition assistance from from the military, but through going to university. So I'm already in a right. college and. Okay. Using that up for that, so well they're accredited. Yeah, no, I know. I, I, it's, so it it's all transferred. Yeah, it's been good seeing seeing how much they've uh, they they've grown popularity the past couple of years and doing good things for veterans and like minded people. So yeah, absolutely. Really good. Yep. All right, uh, next question. Okay, if you could spend the day at the range with anyone uh, or any group, past, present, you know, still alive, fictional, who would it be? Mm. I've been on a, a kind of a, a good George Washington trip lately, and like worship President him. George Washington. Yep, like like the Commander in Chief. Yeah, the original <laughs> Commander in Chief. Exactly. So I'd, I'd, I'd do a day at, at the range with his musket, maybe maybe a little more modern tactics, so we would have more readily wiped the British out. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And then picked his brain for some of the wisdom that he had, of course. Oh yeah. Over a cup of tea. <laughs> maybe maybe throw the old axe absolutely bit. yeah that'd be cool <laughs> i'm still i'm still throwing axes as much as i can are you you still have um what's his names did you get get one of his uh um, yeah so martin Redwood. martin yep. yeah, martin yeah. Redwood. i broke mine did you yes and it was at that event <laughs> i don't remember when that happened <laughs> yeah Man, that stinks <laughs> it did it's just like i was they were throwing them at this wood um, yeah big chunk card. of wood that they had yeah and i had mine there and i was like huh and as soon as i was rearing back to throw it uh-huh you hear this no it was martin yelling at me not to throw it because, oh because mine was one of the hatchets it wasn't an actual throwing oh hatchet. okay and it yeah. just it just snapped <laughs> oh man <laughs> <laughs> oh well <laughs> it kept saying he was gonna make me another i still hadn't got it yet oh well <laughs> I really liked his AKs. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that probably would have been one of the ones that on, on my wish list was was to get one of his uh, Nomads. Yep, the Nomad. You know, I, I I really liked it. I was really impressed by it and by its feel. Yeah, circle the wagons. So yeah, it was it was good. Right, he sent it down here and let us try it out for a while. And, uh, nice. I was hooked, man. Yeah. Uh, I actually kind of got me into the AK. Are you pretty proficient with AKs? Pretty knowledgeable. 
No, not 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 too knowledgeable. I, I know how to break them down, field strip them, clean them, put them back together, and shoot them. And talking the the, the real ones, the the the, the actual Kalashnikovs there in, yeah. in Afghanistan, or <laughs> <laughs> by our by our Soviet friends. You know what they sound like, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I noticed that you guys offer AK classes. We do through, through Rockwell. So apparently, you've got somebody on staff that's pretty familiar with uh, the AK. Yep. Uh, one 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 of our one of our trainers is is all over it. Jared himself is is pretty well versed with. Oh, is he? Okay. Oh yeah. So there's. I'll have to keep them down as a reference for the for when I start doing that segment. Yep, we've got uh, it's called the AK 101 and the AK 201. 101 is a one day class and 201 is two day class and just drills techniques uh, that are unique to the to the AK. Yeah. Or similar battle rifle, you know, and. Uh, Going a little bit of the history application of the AK as a primary and defensive weapon, and just cool. picking apart. So yeah, that's my that was my first AK was the uh, the Kalashnikov there that they sent me, and nah. I'm kind of kind of hooked on. It. I don't know that it's going to take the place of my AR though, man. I, I love my ARs. I love building I, I do them. Too. I do too. I love I love just the way they feel and what they're just an icon. Yeah. <laughs> you know? All right. So now that we have learned more about Doc and uh, kind of got his qualifications here. Let's get into our main topic, which is the importance of carrying a med kit with you and what that med kit needs to contain and the training that you need to get. So let's just uh, let's just kind of start off with um, what do you carry? What's your everyday carry? What, what's your EDC, guns, med kit, everything? Well, everyday carry, my, 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 my gun is my little subcompact XD9, you know, that, that just kind of goes with me anywhere and everywhere. Right. And then it, the med kit, I, I just, I have the advantage of having, you know, anything and everything kind of at my disposal. Just, right. you, know, you, from, you tip, you're probably going to have more than the typical person, obviously. I, I, I will. Cause I, and, and it's just for the simple fact that I know how to do a little bit more than the average person, which is is, is, is all good, you know, I, it, but it's still, which you should, because you've got the experience, you know, you've got more experience than the average person, obviously. Right. So a lot of I, my, my, my truck, I, I have a, a, an aid bag in there, a couple of pouches here and there, little quick things to grab or whatever. But honestly, probably one of the things that I carry with me and anytime I travel, you know, on the, on the airport, on the airplane, I've got my little bag, which has a bunch of stuff in it as well tourniquets you know different meds for different situations and whatnot epipens albuterol inhalers ammonia smelling salts just whatever little little things benadryls you know uh right but as far as i always carry with me all of the things for immediate life-saving interventions your bleeding control your airway management and breathing issues all your, your abcs i always have something on me to be able to treat those. Is there is there like a, a checklist that would be good for our listeners to to kind of like you said your ABCs is like all right here's you know here's your acronym or here's your you know one two threes make sure yeah. you've always got these with you you know at at minimum this is what you need to have with you. Yeah. So with the ABCs, start with airway, then breathing, and then circulation. But the military has kind of evolved and it's where what what is priority is which they'll, they'll they'll put the c or the circulation or the bleeding ahead of the pack and they'll say that that's the most important thing so 
if you if you just reverse the order real quick and put CBA essentially right. and carry something always to be able to stop the bleeding. And there's various different products out there. A lot of things that you don't necessarily need anything cool, but just knowing how to manage it, knowing basic anatomy, mm-hmm. where some of the greater vessels run and how to stop them, how to, or at least slow the breathing. The, the bleeding appropriate pressure to those places. Right. Have, so, so we might need to back up a little bit first. Before you get your kit, you need to know how the hell to use it. So you I, need to take yes. training first, right? Well, even if you do get the kit, absolutely. It, it, it really does you no good if you don't know how to apply some of the things within the kit. So right. I would say attending. So one of the seminars that is kind of a big sought after course there at Rockwell Tacticals is the shooter first aid. And it goes over the same kind of training that our combat medics get, which is it, it uses the, the MARCH algorithm, M-A-R-C-H, which is massive bleeding, airway, respirations, circulation, hypothermia, and head injuries. And you just kind of check those off right there. So we start with the M. How, how am I going to treat and manage massive hemorrhaging, massive bleeding? And then, you know, tourniquets, and there's a variety of different tourniquets out there that are produced specifically for that but Mm -hmm. you could also be good at using a rag and just knowing how to twist it and where to twist it yeah but that's the thing is you got to know how to do that i mean you could be you could do some damage if you don't know how to use a tourniquet yes properly you sure can so we we go into that exactly on how because you remember kind of the first thing that i did back at the circle the wagons was talk about bleeding and some of the different parts of the body, where to apply pressure, where to recognize what kind of bleeding it is that you're getting, whether it's it's bright red arterial bleeding that's pulsing or a good steady stream of darker blood, which is from your veins, how to apply pressure, where to put the tourniquet or where to put your knee down or press your hands to kind of squeeze that vessel and slow slow down the bleeding or stop it if you could. Right. Yeah. Because that's all, that's what it's about. It's about initially preserving red blood cells, preventing any more from, from flowing out as best you can, and then stopping it completely with something definitive like a tourniquet. Right. So, so what do you, how do you feel about those, uh, those clotting um, agents? So there's a lot of good ones out there, primarily the one that is... And if I'm getting out of order, I mean, let me know. No, that's totally fine because that's okay. one of, one of the, the military now is using combat gauze is their hemostatic and if i'm using big words hemostatic just you know something that helps control bleeding uh there is is the combat gauze and it's it's the gauze that's just like regular gauze regular thin gauze but it's impregnated with this clotting agent that you kind of stuff it in the wound you you Mm -hmm. identify where the bleed is we get sticking your finger inside the hole feeling where that punctured vessel is and then putting your finger on top of it and then piling that gauze on top of it and then holding pressure, allowing it to expand and work to build a clot and stop right. that bleeding and then wrapping it up with, with another kind of elastic bandage to keep pressure dressing on it. So that's, that's the preferred agent. Now they have several other out, out, that are out there that are similar to the combat gauze. And then they have some of the powders that are kind of losing their, their steam at first. It was a quick clot. Mm-hmm. That was one of the, one of the most popular. See, yeah, you see that a lot. Is that quick clot? Yeah, and that's and and I think I think Combat Gauze is is a quick clot company. If I'm not mistaken, but 
Either it's way, it's kind of the, evolved from that powder to these gauzes to, now. To the gauzes, yeah, a lot, a lot easier, a lot more manageable. You can focus where the stuff goes versus a mess of powder and pebbles and everything all over the place, and right. really focus it on the one spot. So, and but those you can really limit those to some of the higher wounds. You have your your arms where they're really convenient for tourniquet placement and. Then you have the higher wounds, the closer you get up to your armpit and shoulder area or your, your crotch and your groin where you just can't put a tourniquet on because you don't have enough leg to put it on. That's where those, those agents, clotting those, agents those, come in. Yep, absolutely. A lot easier so, to manage. That way. So would you say that a, a tourniquet, when able to be used, is better to use than a clotting agent? Or I would say so, just because it's faster. You, you throw a tourniquet on, tighten it down, know where to do it, where to place it. And the bleeding stops right there versus messing around, opening up this package, getting this gauze out, stuff. And you could be quick either way. It all takes training, getting your hands on. But when it comes to gross motor involvement, people are probably more adept to using a tourniquet and putting that on as the first thing, which you can later on convert to a pressure dressing by using that hemostatic gauze. But you initially need to stop the bleeding and you have to have a sense of urgency about it. Right. Not play around, but just realize that this person's going to die if he doesn't stop bleeding. And tourniquet tourniquet use is, is starting to become popular now uh, among conventional medics. Paramedics are more readily using that. It's being taught to a lot of the law enforcement how to put mm-hmm. on tourniquets and how to do those quick just bleeding controls. Right, until, until the real guys can get there. Just exactly. Keep them alive until the, yep. the medics can get there. Exactly. Now, after you've... After you've stopped the bleeding, well, let's let's do this first. Walk us through applying a tourniquet. Let's say it's an arm wound. Okay, so you have an arm wound, and we'll say that you have it down on your forearm in between your wrist and your elbow. Okay. And back in the day, they used to teach, put the tourniquet two to three inches above the wound, right? Because you're trying to preserve as much circulation on your arm as you can. Mm-hmm. The problem with that is, is that, and you might be able to get away with it with the arm, but your anatomy below your elbow and below your knees, you have two bones. Your in, in your arm, you have your ulna and your radius, and then on your leg, your tibia and your fibula. Compressing, uh, and and if you think of your your veins as just a big just system of, of hoses, think plumbing yeah. over here, and you a have lot a lot of plumbing, a lot of plumbing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you have you have a, you have a leak in, in in one of the hoses. What's what's the best way of Stopping that is by pinching it shut, right? Pressing it up against something hard, right? That could, that, like one of your bones. So, when you have, if you're trying to compress a vessel together and you have two bones that are involved, you're not going to break those bones and crush them up to get to that vessel. So, you're going to have more success by placing the tourniquet above your joint, above your elbow joint, or above your knee joint, so that you either have your femur, the longest bone in, your, in the body and the leg, to squeeze that vessel up against. Or your humerus, the bone that's above your elbow, between your shoulder and your elbow, squeeze that vessel with the tourniquet against that bone. You'll have mm-hmm. greater success. So, a lot of that makes sense. It used to be a big man because my dad was a paramedic back in the day, and he was kind of shocked when he found out that our first thing to go to is tourniquets because back then it was stop the bleeding. Well, let's do elevation first. Okay, that's not working. Let's put pressure on it. That's not working. Let's do a pressure dressing. That's not working. Now let's do a tourniquet after we've exhausted everything. Right. And people, there's still people out there today that'll probably think, oh, you put a tourniquet on, you're automatically getting it amputated. 
And that's mm. not the case. You, you have at least three to four hours of viability within that limb where you could cut off all circulation. Again, your hand wound is on your, on your forearm somewhere. And if I put the tourniquet right above, right where your bicep is, and I crank it down until I can't feel the pulse on your, on your wrist, your radial pulse, that's when you know it's tight enough because all the bleeding is stopped. You don't, have, you don't feel a pulse anymore. And there's no circulation now below that tourniquet. And you have three to four hours to get to a hospital for them to reduce, take the tourniquet off and manage that wound that you have. So you versus, leave that on there that long without releasing it? Correct. If, if, and, and a lot of that is kind of determined on your situation. You could leave it on for about that long before you start worrying about, hey, I better start releasing this thing or this guy might not have an arm right. tomorrow. Then you start worrying about amputation at that point. Correct. That's when ischemia and lack of oxygen and perfusion really starts to kick in. So if you, if you, if you see that you're probably not going to be evacuated or be able to get to a hospital after a couple of hours, that's when you start doing your options and you start trying to convert that into a pressure dressing. So you, you put that clotting agent, stuff Mm -hmm. that hole with that gauze or whatever, nice, tightly wrapped elastic wrap. And then that's what you're going to do anyway, because you want to protect it, keep, keep it from getting, keep it clean and whatnot. But then after a few hours of holding it on, you release the tourniquet and do a quarter turn and then leave it, leave it alone. Just sit and watch it for another five minutes. If you don't see that gauze starts to soak through with blood, release it again, another quarter turn, hang out for five minutes, check it out. And then until it's there and then you leave the tourniquet in place, not tight, just in case it starts bleeding and mm-hmm. you need to retighten it. But if at any moment you see that that gauze starts getting soaked with blood again, you crank that down and sorry, bro, you might lose this arm, but yeah. you're alive. So you put the tourniquet on and then yep. you go down and you stuff the wound, you wrap it, and then you slowly release the tourniquet. Correct. If, if gotcha. that's all that you're, that you're dealing with. Remember, if it's a, right. a multi-system trauma person, you're going through that whole just an easy way to think about, I've taken care of the bleeding, I've taken care of the massive bleeding. So now I'm going to move over to the A, I'm going to take care of his airway, make sure he's breathing. If you're screaming at me, oh God, it hurts, then I know your airway is good. I don't have to worry about that. Then I can go on to your respirations. I'll check your chest and I'll see if you have any kind of gunshot wound to the chest that I have to manage front side and back side. And then so you're, checking, you're checking to see if there's multiple wounds. Correct. And you, you yep. keep on going down, and that's kind of what the civilian version of advanced trauma life support, ATLS, has been adopted, where you do your first survey, your primary survey, which is your once over, except you start with bleeding instead of airway. You go through all that, you do your whole checklist, make sure everything's good, and then you do it again in a more detailed, slower fashion. And that's when your secondary, your second time around is when you're going to start putting the gauze over the tourniquet and then keep on managing him uh, as you, as you go along. Every situation is going to be different. You have to, you have to evaluate it as you go and it may require additional bandaging or something along those lines. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of, I mean, you're just giving us a high level basic uh, thing here. We, we understand that. So yeah, Uh, to get detailed, you guys need to go to their website, sign up for more of their classes. <laughs> exactly. Do, do you guys travel travel all over? Or do you just do them there in Pennsylvania? 
So we're based out of Lancaster. Make sure you say it right. It's 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 spelled Lancaster, but if you say it like that, <laughs> you might get a weird look. It's it's pronounced Lancaster. Lancaster, okay. exactly. <laughs> so that's you know you're from Tennessee. If you say Lancaster, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that's kind of the the central headquarters, I guess, of Rockwell Tactical. But we do travel all over the place. Uh, it's just it's it's kind of a more hey, we have this demand and. Yeah, obviously money drives it if it's cost beneficial to us and we have enough excitement and participation mm-hmm. in this certain site then we'll fly over there as an example i don't know if you remember the soko kydex company there at circle the wagons uh-huh. yeah. colorado yeah they had enough enthusiasm to to get to get one of us to fly over there to cool. teach one of these classes so um so you do a a um private special yeah. class if somebody wanted wanted one absolutely and, and and focus it to what you're looking if you want to do a little bit of shooting and a little bit of first aid we'll do that we just kind of try to tailor it to whatever it is that you're looking for and give you the most bang for your buck and you know we, we try to stay competitive with the pricing but we're also pretty fair when it comes to the level of stuff that we're giving out to you but yeah. again you get enough people that are interested and uh, we we'll, we can adjust the price based on level of participation. Sure. And make it out there, make it out to you, because you know we love what we do, and we love giving giving back to to the community. Very cool. So so we've we've got the bleeding stopped. We've assessed. I guess the next thing is to to haul his ass out of there, right? Absolutely. <laughs> or, or, or wait for the medic. So you've you've pretty much taken care of everything that you need to at this point. Yeah. So it and and again, you're you're looking the difference between military being in the middle of nowhere and having to rely on a medevac helicopter to come pick you up versus a hospital. That's hopefully a couple of minutes away or just driving them right up to the hospital. Yeah. But hopefully, at but, least, I mean, you could be out in the woods hiking with your buddy, exactly. rock climbing, you know, something like that. And yep. he falls and gets a compound fracture or something. Exactly. Know? So obviously prior to that, have a good presence of mind that, Hey, something might happen. Let me have some kind of plan let people know where I'm at. I'll be checking in at these times or whatever, have some kind of backup plan if something were to happen and be able to get you out of there. But again, this is all about those immediate life-saving interventions. What's going to kill me in the next five minutes if I don't do something? Mm-hmm. What's going to kill me if, I, if, I'm, if I'm positioned wrong and I'm slumped over and, and, I, and I'm not breathing correctly? How can I reposition his head to get a, an airway going through? Right. How can I... And that goes his- through doing your... Your ABCs exactly checklist, or or is it the March check? Which one is it? Well, so the civilian will say ABCs, but okay. the military threw that in where you take care of the bleeding first because, right. and I'll just try to try to try to get the audience in to think about if you if you start with airway and you're making sure they that need he's breathing right, yeah. right, but you look down and they're gushing blood out, you know all the breathing in the world isn't going to help them if they lose the oxygen carrying capabilities that blood has. So red blood cells equals oxygen going to all the different cells in my body that need it. And not just taking oxygen to the different parts of my body, but bringing back all the waste and all the crap that needs to come out of there. It gets filtered out through the kidneys. It gets filtered out CO2 as I'm breathing out Mm -hmm. everything. If If you you don't don't have the blood flow, then you're not going to be breathing anyway. Yeah. Exactly. So you, you put that as your priority. If there's any bleeding involved, stop all the bleeding first and then start with your ABCs. You'll be go- You'll be golden. You'll be good to go. Cool. Let's talk about uh, kit. What, uh, yeah. what, 
what's essential? What what do you need to have? Uh, our typical listener, we've got a lot of military law enforcement guys that listen to us, but uh, our typical listeners, you know, your typical concealed carry uh, yeah. permit holder. Um, on a day-to-day basis, what's, what do you recommend being their, their med kit? All right. And, and again, I just want to emphasize that this isn't something that I'm specifically endorsing. I, I just, there, sure. these, are, these are some of the things that I like that I personally like as far as specific items go. And you don't have to go brand, brand names or anything like that. Just, just okay. be high level type well, with it. If, if you've got a brand, then feel free to you know throw it out there because people like to, to try out different things. Yeah, absolutely. So I, one of the, the main thing that I would say is to have a tourniquet. Now we say, what kind of tourniquet? There's different kinds of tourniquets that are involved. One's with a windlass, one's without a windlass. And the one that I that I prefer, and I'm going to give a shout out to my buddies there at SWAT T. I think I remember showing you that. In fact, I yep. put a SWAT T tourniquet on you. Yeah, I think we've got a video of you using that. Okay, tighten it down on your leg. Mm-hmm. Remember how, how tight you were able to get that? Yeah, thing it hurt like shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's supposed to, but it's actually a lot more comfortable than a, a regular tourniquet. Right. Because of the surface area that you're compressing. But the only reason I like that, and again, it's not any kind of endorsement, it's more because it's a practical, it's, it's, a, it's a multi-function, multi-purpose thing. You can use it as a tourniquet. You could use it as a pressure dressing. You could use it as a sling. You could use it as a slingshot. You can do everything <laughs> with it. You know what I mean? So yeah. you, you could, I carry that with me all the time. This, this, the SWAT team. You can use it as a snare. You can exactly. catch your dinner with it. You can do it. <laughs> so many things with it. Not just medically related, but specifically medically re- related. If you carry a tourniquet and you say, okay, I feel pretty safe. And I have this, this cool tourniquet that's a windlass, but then I get shot or I see somebody that gets shot in an area of the body that's high up, mm-hmm. up, in the, up in the groin, up in the, up in the shoulder area. But okay. so what I'm getting at is, is more extremity injury. Where you can't get the tourniquet around. It. Exactly. Yeah. I can use the, the SWAT T and I can wrap that thing around those higher wounds a lot easier than I could with the tourniquet. Gotcha. And you might say, well, what if you don't have the gauze to stuff it in the hole or whatever, you know, just whatever you got, you, you just shirt, sure. stuff it in there and just something to build compression inside that wound cavity to pinch that vessel shut and then wrap it around with that, with that tourniquet. So that would probably be the, the, the biggest tourniquet that I would push to people to use. If, if you were just to use one thing, one simple thing would be that one because of it's so many different uses. Okay. Uh, and then you have, you know, the, the, the cat tourniquet's always super popular. It's been out there for a while. It's one of the leaders in tourniquet making mm-hmm. uh, as far as what the military has bought since we started this sweet global war on terror. Uh, the, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think, the, um, the, the sock tea okay. tourniquet. Uh, so, so there's lots of different tourniquets out there. Exactly. So, so tourniquet being, you know, an essential piece of your kit, you need to have what else? What other what other piece of kit they need in there? Probably that hemostatic dressing. Okay, would probably be a second and, thing to have. Your, your big word hemostatic is just something to stop the yeah the bleeding, the, the clotting agent, the gauze clotting agent. Okay, yeah, hemostasis, heme blood stasis, stability, stable. Anyway, <laughs> to give yeah, us a, these, give us a Latin lesson there. All, all these all these nerd words. Uh, it, I don't even know if that's Latin or not. <laughs> it is. Okay. Okay. Um, so that would be as far as tourniquet goes, as far as bleeding control goes, you will never be wrong carrying a tourniquet and one of those clotting, clotting, agents. clotting agent gauzes. 
Absolutely. And like you said before, if you don't have, let's say you're just out somewhere and you can't get to your tourniquet, you can't get to your clotting agent, you can use a shirt as yep. a tourniquet. You could use a belt as a tourniquet. Yeah. Uh, you could use a stick and, you know, something else that you find. Just something that you can. A, a, a necktie. Tie, a it, necktie. Tie, tie it in a knot above that area. And then yeah, you got to remember that it's not only what you don't really care about patient comfort at this point. All you're trying to do is save his life and stop the bleeding. But yeah. you're going to have more effective. The wider the tourniquet is, the more effective it's going to be, the less pressure it's going to take to squeeze it. A good gotcha. example, you take your blood pressure, you know how wide that thing is? Mm-hmm. Sure, it's un- sure, it's uncomfortable, but it's, uh, it, it's, it's tight, it's snug, but you squeeze that enough, that's going to stop everything down there. That's how you determine what your blood pressure is, is that you get to the point where you're no longer you're no longer perfusing, you're no longer pumping blood in that area. And that's how it determines what your systolic blood pressure is. It starts at that point and then you release it and it gets looser and more comfortable, but those are super wide. So they're a lot more comfortable. The narrower you go all the way down to a shoestring, the more difficult it is to stop that bleeding and the less comfortable it is for that person. And the, the, the greater chance of tissue death comes because you're, you're focusing all that pressure into that much surface area mm-hmm. versus a much wider surface area. So you get you get a t-shirt that you can wrap up. It's long enough and you kind of wrap it around the limb, tie it in a knot in the middle and then lay a stick or some rigid object in the middle, tie a knot over that stick so that it's tied in the middle. And then you start cranking that stick down. That's going to be a pretty effective tourniquet belts. You're all, you're, you're limited to the, the little pulling effect Mm-hmm. Right, and and you really it, there's really no way to stabilize it or to, or to hold it in place unless you're constantly pulling on it. Right, because honestly, what belt do you know that has belt loops or belt holes that go around your arm or whatever? Unless it's like a little kid's belt. Yeah. You know? So it's a lot of it is just adaptability, and we go through that with the, with the classes that we teach at Rockwell. We we go over different options for tourniquet use and what are some alternatives that you can use if you don't have any of these high speed mass produced right tourniquets and they're those are they're fairly inexpensive too yeah they, they, they're yeah. they're pretty reasonable so by the way at shop.rockwelltactical.com on the little medical section shop medical swat t tourniquet 9.95 there you go 9.95 so, do you guys sell a complete kit with kind of use yep. a bag and everything Right next to it, there's uh-huh. the individual first aid kit that contains the the soft tea uh, or the SWAT tourniquet also, and then it has everything else that kind of runs down what you would need for those ABCs, you know. Yeah. So it's got it's got a little bit of everything, including the. So it's the got the, it's got the SWAT tea tourniquet. Yep. Uh, it's got the the gloves, nurdle gloves. Yep. And it's got compressed gauze. It's got an Israeli emergency bandage, four inch. What is that? So the, why, why is it called Israeli emergency bandage? It's 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 just the the type of bandage that it is. It's called an Israeli dressing, but it's it's just a it's a it's it's got a dressing on it that you can place over it to kind of protect the wound, but it's also attached to an elastic bandage or an ace wrap. Okay. So it's kind of multi use gotcha. deal there. Uh, it comes with a is it bowling chest, chest seal? Yep. Bowling chest but, seal. That's, that? a chest, that's a chest seal that is vented so that it allows air to escape your 
lung cavity, mm-hmm. but it doesn't it doesn't allow any air to come in. So that's really important when you're talking breathing management and collapsed lung and pneumothorax is the the Bolin chest seal is the vented chest seal that allows air to escape but doesn't allow it to come back in. When you're thinking sucking chest wound, mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't allow any air to be sucked in to the uh-huh. chest cavity, which causes the problems down the road. I think you definitely want to have some training on how to use that. Absolutely. That'll, that'll <laughs> the, you the decompression too. needle is a four gauge by three and a quarter. Yep. A 14 gauge. So 14 gauge. That's a big needle. Yep. It's a pretty, pretty thick one, but that that's to allow air to escape after you patch the hole up and you see that he's having breathing problems. And we go specifically where to put this needle to allow air to escape the chest cavity as you're allowing air to escape the the chest cavity that's it and we 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 show you exactly where to place it and how to use it so that you're not making doing more damage okay and then the uh nasopharyngeal airway nasopharyngeal airway just a call it a nose hose nose hose okay (laughs) for short just a little tube that you uh, with lubricant put inside your nose so that it kind of protects your airway from collapsing on itself, keeps it open so that you're breathing and you're, it's, it's intended for a semi-conscious person. Okay. Uh, so definitely would need some training on how to use that one. Yeah. Uh, your aluminum eye shield. Yep. That's the, just to kind of protect, protect the eye from, if, if you have a, an injury to the eye, one of the worst things that you can do is allow that person to, keep looking around with it so it covers the eye so that they're not really using it to look around and using the muscles around it and just as an added protectant to it. Okay. Does it, uh, how does it attach? It's, it's got like a, an elastic string. Kind of like an eye patch, like yeah. a pirate eye patch. Yep. Exactly. But, it, but it's aluminum. Yep. Okay. Cool. Uh, EMT shears. Yep. Sometimes you have to expose the wound to know what you're looking at and clothes just gets in the way. So cut them away. Cut them away. So basically scissors is what those are. Make them naked. Yep. Heavy, heavy duty scissors, Uh, a permanent marker. So you can, I guess, mark your areas. Yeah. If you're, especially if you're putting a tourniquet on somebody, a lot of these tourniquets have a space on them where you can write the time. They have like a, a, a piece of white cloth or someplace on the tourniquet itself that you can okay. write the time that you applied that tourniquet to keep you tracking oh. how long a tourniquet's been on. And okay. then after you hand them off to a higher medical authority so that they know, hey, this tourniquet's been on now for a couple of hours. We need to get this thing off. Right. So, Or you can write it on their forehead. Correct. That's why it's permanent. That's why you need exactly. a permanent marker. So exactly. write on pretty much any surface. Um, flat duct tape. Yep. Just, you know, you always need tape to secure stuff. Duct tape works for everything. It always does. need duct tape. <laughs> Absolutely. And then your uh, tactical combat casualty care card. Yep. So that's just kind of a basic card that has like a little picture of a human silhouette. You can mark with an X where the injuries are and some of the things that you've done to that person. You can okay. record vital signs because that's important to know. Once, once we get into deeper, and I wish I had like five hours with you, brother, so that I can just tell you everything. <laughs> hey, to but, be continued, right? Exactly. But when you're when you're talking shock management, you you want to record the vital signs of that person, what his pulse rate is, what his breathing rate is, and where you can feel his pulse his pulse at. So if you start recording that, that way, you, when you give it to the doc, they can see where they're trending and where their vital signs are going. 
to know how far into the just kind of keeps a history for for you to know what you've done, and then the person that you exactly. hand it off to, kind of what's been done and where exactly they need to go right. from there. That's cool. Okay. So, so and and they can get this at uh, Rockwell Tacticals website. This is their RTG individual first aid kit or IFAC. IFAC. Yep. IFAC, and it comes in uh, its own little carry case there too. Yep. Very cool. Little, little handy dandy case that you can mount onto your kit under your belt or whatever so just kind of in closing if you have a person that is unconscious and nothing else is wrong with them one of the best things that you can do for them is to not lay them on their backs but put them on their sides so that they're able to breathe a lot easier specifically their left side and you can manipulate their bodies so or you either hold them but or or manipulate their bodies so that they're kind of staying on their left side to where they if they if they're slobbering or vomiting, they're not breathing it in because they're on their back, but they can just let it flow Keeps out. Keeps the air, airways clear. Exactly. That's Why clear. on the left side? Why not the right side? Because anatomically, the way that your body's designed, your aorta, the biggest artery in the body, is on your left side. And when you lay a person down who is completely unconscious and has no awareness you know, normally as you're naturally sitting up, you're kind of keeping your core tight and you're keeping your, your stuff kind of tight, you know what I mean? With posture or whatever. Exactly. Oh yeah. But when you're, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But when you're unconscious, you have really nothing going on. Your, your involuntary muscles, like your diaphragm is what's going on. So you, you, you do it a favor by laying on the left side and all that body weight of all your internal organs is resting on top of the aorta, which is highly elastic Mm -hmm. under massive amounts of pressure and it allows it to keep on going on the flip side if you lay them down on the right side the primary vein that carries all the blood back to the heart that which then from the heart goes to the lungs to get oxygen to go back out on the aorta yeah the 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 vena cava is what it's called if you put them down on the on the right side all that weight from all your internal organs now presses against the vein which is a lot more flaccid Mm -hmm. less pressure and that can affect cardiac output and the amount of blood circulation that's going on so lately just keynote or just just a rule of thumb lay them on their left side so that they're able to breathe easy so that they're able to spit slobber vomit mm-hmm. um, instead of being lay on their laying on their back where the danger is of breathing in that vomit which will just annihilate your lungs if you if you breathe in any of that stomach acid or stomach juices that'll just destroy you and you'll drown in your own lung tissue quicker than anything keep them on their yeah. sides and that'll that'll help them out and make go a long way and keeping them keeping them alive very cool right. yeah well all right Han. well like you said man we could we we're just hitting real high level on this and uh we definitely <laughs> need to have you back on uh, maybe we'll get into a, a more traumatic kind of wound type stuff and we'll talk about that but uh if you guys uh, are interested definitely check out rockwell tactical and uh, they've got a schedule of their classes on there. And if uh, none of those meet your needs, then uh, call the guys, email them, uh, get in touch with, uh, I guess Jared would be the, the main guy they'd get in touch with. Yep, and, on, on uh, Facebook also, Rockwell Tactical Group. Like us, tell, tell your friends about us. And, yeah, absolutely, guys. Uh, definitely go check them out, check their website out. And um, if they don't, like, like I was saying, if they don't have a class there, call them up and then uh, they'll probably be able to uh, – customize you one uh, probably quite surprisingly in your budget. So 
Yeah, just a just a real quick caveat. Uh, one of the, it's not posted on the schedule yet, but we're looking this year to adding a few more classes, like force on force training with simunition ammo, so that you kind of get that. I know a lot of guys are starting to head that direction with with that. Yeah, but it's it, it, absolutely nothing like paintball. It's actually yeah the simunition. You know, yeah, it's got, it's got it's got tactics behind it, and it gives that pain painful feedback. So if you're messed up, you're going to know it and feel it right away. <laughs> it's like putting then, your hand on a stove. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Then we're going to do a lot of low light and no light operations. So a lot of stuff working in the dark and then cool. with, with night vision, without night vision. And then we're, we've secured a few ranges for a lot of long distance shooting. Okay. So, well, if you guys are ever in my area or you're close enough for me to, to travel, I'd love to, to uh, come take some of those courses with you. We'd love to have you, brother. Let, let me know. You got it. <laughs> hells yeah, hells yeah. All right, guys, so now it's time for our Sonoran Desert Institute's Fact to Fight the Myth. Introduce us, Zeke. SDI is proud to present the Talking Lead Fact, Fact to Fight the Myth. What do you got, Doc? All right, so we talked about it earlier when it comes to putting on a tourniquet. The big myth out there that is still floating around is that if I put a tourniquet on, that person's arm is immediately going to get amputated. Which, in the grand scheme of things, who cares? You saved his life. You did the best that you could do. And he's still alive minus an arm. But the big myth out there is that it's not going to be an automatic amputation. You put a tourniquet on, your your limb still has a good three to four hours. In some cases, even longer where people have been with a tourniquet on for longer than that. And they're, right. they've preserved function with their if limbs. If you've got a good person managing... That that tourniquet that's been trained well. That's where this training comes in, guys. Is exactly. uh, I mean, you could actually save somebody's limb uh, with the proper training. So knowing how to manage that tourniquet uh, is definitely gonna keep keep your buddy's limb uh, attached. Exactly. Leg, arm, whatever head. it may be. Oh. Head. <laughs> is wiener sneener. <laughs> exactly. Have you ever had to put a tourniquet on a wiener? I have not. Uh, would you ever would you ever have to can you think of a an instance where you would have to do that or need to do that i'd probably never put a tourniquet on a wiener no okay there's no (laughs) really no need to put one on a wiener now they're 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 pretty pliable in those kinds of situations you can just kind of compress them down put pressure and stop bleeding (laughs) (laughs) i mean that's that's the thing that he's going to be most thankful for is if you save his wiener exactly you know take take my arm take my hand save my wiener Exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Very good fact to fight the myth. Thanks, Doc. We appreciate that. Absolutely. All right, guys. So now it's time for our uh, trivia. We're still running the Apex Tacticals uh, trivia question. So it's like Randy said, he's going to give you uh, three weeks, I think he said. Uh, so make sure that you go to their web page. Well, first, you need to listen to episode 129 and find out what the question is. I'm not going to tell you. I want you to listen to that episode. Um, find out what the question is. Uh, it, it's related to their website. you got to go to Apex Tactical's website, find the answer there, and then you go to their Facebook page. And where they have posted uh, our episode 129, TLP 129, you leave the comment, your answer there under the comments, and say, Leadhead was here, like their page, like the post, um and go ahead and buy something from them too and they got some cool products uh the glock triggers the smith and wesson uh flatties that they've got there too and then you can send your guns in and he he's not going to be seven years in getting your gun back to you uh that was just some special highly 
uh, customized things that he was talking about there, but uh, you'll get them back in a very reasonable amount of time. All right, guys. So that brings us to the end of a, another episode of Talking Lead. I'd like to thank Doc with Rockwell Tactical again for being on the show. Man, I, I hate you're not going to be at SHOT Show. Um, I'd love to see you there. Yeah, brother. It'd be nice to go talk to my commander. Well, <laughs> now that I know that you're not too far from me, which we're not going to say where you're at, maybe we can hook up sometime. Uh, that'd be, I mean, that'd be great. You're not too far away from me, so we definitely hook up and maybe get some range time here. You come this direction. I don't know if you ever come this direction or not. I haven't. It'd be nice to go take the family and do a few days there, look at the area. and uh... Heck yeah, man. You go up to the Knoxville area, check out Dollywood and the, the yeah. uh, Smoky Mountains, or just come on down to Nashville. Sounds good. I'll show you a good time, I promise. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. <laughs> I'd like to thank my sponsors, Tactical Walls. Make sure you guys go to tacticalwalls.com and use the discount code LEADHEAD and get 7% off. The end of the year specials um, that people are running, they've got some distributors that they that they sell their stuff through, too. They're having some pretty good sales. I mean, that's a great gift, not, not only for Christmas, but for any time of the year is uh, concealment furniture. Those lamps that they've got now where you can hide your, your pistols in the lamps, pretty badass stuff. So That's go awesome. check out yeah, go check out Tactical Walls. They, they can custom make you furniture too. So if you've got you know, something in mind, shoot it to them, and uh, I'm sure Tim over there would be able to, to figure something out. Leadhead, the discount code, anything on their website, you get 7% off. I want to thank Nordic Components. Nordic Components, go to nordiccomp.com and use the same discount code, LEADHEAD, uh, all caps, uh, all one word. I don't know that it's got to be all caps, but that's what they said. But uh, just make sure you do that, and you'll get 7% off. And they're actually letting you stack the code there. So any uh, any promo or special they've got going on, you can use that code, and then you can throw LEADHEAD discount code on top of it and get an additional 7% off there. Uh, you saw the video that we did recently where I was uh, TNE their uh, muzzle brake, the Corvette Comp on my 300 Blackout. Uh, it ran great, kept it level, uh, it was very smooth. I was accurate, so go check that out. The 22 Upper that they've got, uh, phenomenal deals on those right now. Go to nordiccomp.com and use Leadhead discount code to get 7% off there. Dipstick coatings, dipstick one two three. That discount code still should be in play there as well. Leadhead, you get ten percent off anything on their website except their the dip tubs. Uh, but ten percent off their paints and their films and their coatings. Dipstick coatings, dip one two three. Thanks again so much for listening. Again, our website is RockwellTactical.com. Like us on Facebook, Rockwell Tactical Group, and and hit us up. Like I said, we're we're super passionate about training and we recognize the importance of using because remember if you're shooting at somebody chances are somebody's shooting back at you and one of those <laughs> rounds flinging in the air may or may not catch you or bite you or somebody next to you at any time or you might just come up to a car accident and having the kind of confidence that you have with being able to save somebody's life by doing some of these immediate life-saving interventions is makes you just super confident and makes you feel good and it does. And the odds that you're going to use, that you're going to need your medical training over your gun training are a lot higher. So we want, we want to just make sure that there's that balance out there and emphasize that it's not about learning how to shoot because really the, the more complex stuff goes into saving lives rather than taking lives. And at the end of the day, that's what you, that's what you need to be good at. And if you want to be a good, well-rounded 
individual when it comes to being a responsible gun carrier will then be able to do what comes as a result of using that gun sometimes, which is saving lives. So thanks again for Amen. listening. Really Amen. Thanks for being being on, Doc. We greatly appreciate your time. And as always, Leadheads, keep your loved ones close. And your Rockwell Tactical Group IFAC kids closer. Amen. <laughs>